so over the last few weeks, God has um, been talking to me about how we give thanks. And my, my message this morning is entitled Reckless Thanksgiving. But before I explore it, I need to be honest with you because a few times, either in leadership meetings or when we've been at conferences and things, Pastor Jim has been talking about how we need to live what we preach. And see, I don't think that he just means that, that me standing on the platform this morning, if I'm preaching this, that I need to live it. I think it also means for everyone out there. So when I was thinking about that, I went to the scripture that says, Jesus in Matthew 23 and 2 and 3 was speaking to the Pharisees, and the scripture says, Jesus told his listeners, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but, not, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. So this message this morning is a challenge for me as well. Because I can't honestly put my hand on my heart and see that this is something that I'm good at. Because we all need to ensure that we're not like the Pharisees. And I can't deliver this message today that I believe that God has laid my heart and then not endeavour to leave this building this morning and really think about how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to give thanks, give God the reckless thanks that I believe he deserves. So I want to look at two different ways before I actually get into my message and the first way I believe that we give thanks, and it's the way that I give thanks, and I know it's the way that I give thanks, and I think it'll be the way that most of us out there give thanks, and it's a simple thanksgiving. And please don't take that that I'm judging, because when we were little, we're taught to say please and thank you. When we first become Christians and we come to church, we're taught to give God thanks for everything. And when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about the song, The 10,000 Reasons, and in church before, we wrote our reasons, and we probably had more than 10,000 as a congregation. And I know that we'll never be able to give thanks for everything, because God has done so much. And every day, we do give a simple prayer of thanksgiving. And yes, we should continue to do that. We should continue to give our simple thanksgiving. It's not wrong. shouldn't do it. We should be something that's in our hearts every day. We should be walking through life thanking God for everything we have, everything that we see. But you see, it's this reckless thanksgiving that God has really been talking to me about. So I looked at the dictionary definition of reckless, and it's an adjective, a doing word. There's a teacher coming back now. It's not something that's passive. It's something that you have to do. And reckless is heedless of danger or the consequences of one's actions. But see, I had the title for the message before I had anything else. And God kept saying to me, reckless thanksgiving, reckless thanksgiving. And anyone that knows me knows that I argue with God all the time. So when God says to me, reckless thanksgiving, I'm like, that makes no sense. What do you mean, God? And all he kept saying was, reckless thanksgiving, reckless thanksgiving. So then I said to God, are you sure it's reckless thanksgiving and it's not reckless love? Because there's that amazing song and it could be that. So God says to me, listen to the song. So I listened to the song, which I thank the band for playing this morning, because really, that's when God brought this message. When we think about some of the words that were said in that, is before I spoke a word, God was already singing over us. Before you took a breath, he'd already breathed his life in you. He's got an overwhelming, never-ending love. It's reckless. He chases you down. It doesn't matter what else. Whoever else is in the church, if you're here, he's still chasing you. When we were his foe, he still fought for us. His love still fights for us. And then the shadow, there's no shadow in lighting up. There's no mountain he won't climb up. There's no wall he won't kick down. And there's no lie that he won't clear down. You see, God does all these things. And the more you listen to the song, the more that you realise that 
that overwhelming feeling of love should cause us then to give back a reckless thanksgiving. So the passage he took me to was 2 Samuel 6, 1-19. Now, bear with me, because God, thanks for giving me the one with all the names that I can't say, but we'll go for it. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Baal and Judah to bring up from near the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who is enthroned between the cherubim of the ark. They set the ark of God in a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinad, which was on the hill. Uzziah and Ahio, sons of Abinad, were guiding the cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it, and David and all of Israel were celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, tim- lyres cymbals, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzziah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen had stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzziah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzziah, and to to this day, that place is called Perez Uzziah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of obed Edom, the Gitti, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed Edom, the Gitti, for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went up to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed Edom to the city of David rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. After he had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the whole crowd of the Israelites, both men and women. And all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from this house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And Michael, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. I think it's important that we read the full passage and as I start to explain, you may, hopefully you'll see why. And I love First and Second Samuel, they're my absolute favourite books. And I always find when I'm struggling and I'm in a storm, that's where I go back because I always know that actually probably whatever David went through isn't as bad as what I'm going through. So I always find a bit of solace. And every time I've read this, I think about how David worshipped the Lord, how it was an act of worship. 
But this time as I read it again, God reminded me that worship and giving thanks are actually something that go hand in hand. You can't actually really have one without the other. So I want to look at three different parts of the story. And the first one is promises given. You see, we've all had promises that God has given us, and David was no different. He believed that God had asked him to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And at the beginning of the story that I've just read, the Ark of the Covenant was built as a symbol of God's presence and glory. And it had been lost and forgotten for 70 years. It had been kept in the house of Abinad, and David sought to restore the Ark to the city of Jerusalem so that all Israel would worship the Lord in one place. It was one of his long dreams, one of his passions to have the Lord's people have a place to worship him and remember his covenant with him. In the first five verses, we hear that David is bringing that back, and he and all of Israel are worshipping and giving thanks to God. This is a collective thanksgiving, something that we often do in church. For instance, on Friday night, we came together for the thanks vision night, and we gave thanks for the things that God has done for us in this year, in our lives, in our house groups, in the life of the church. And it's great to come together. And it's great to give thanks and share with each other as it builds us up when we see what God's done for us and what he's done for other people. And it's important when God gives his promises that we hold on to them and we don't let go and we continue to give thanks for those promises to be fulfilled. This is a hard bit because sometimes there's no time limit on when the promise will be fulfilled. David waited 70 years for his promise to come to pass. And sometimes we will also have to wait for our promise to be fulfilled. But you see, when you're waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, that's actually when you're growing. That's when God's taking you to the next place. The promise he's given you just now is not a promise you're ready for. Because if he gave you it now, you wouldn't actually know what to do with it. So often he's given you the promise so that you can look forward to see what's coming next. So that you know that he's going to grow you to get to that place. But the problem is, if you're like me, you get fed up waiting. And then that can lead to a promise being stalled. Because between verse 6 and 11, we see David's promises stalled. Because instead of trusting that God would protect the ark when the oxen stumbled, Uzziah reached out to help God. He thought, oh, it's going to fall. I'll put my hand out. I'll fix it. God doesn't know what he's doing. Me. That's me. But this can also be me, because then when I don't get what I want, I can be like David, who then gets angry with God. So the promise is already stalled a wee bit because of what Uzziah's done, but now the promise is now stalled because of David's attitude. How many times have you been in that situation? I can't count, because I'm exactly like David here. I throw a tantrum, I fall out with God because it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to work out or it didn't work out when I expected it to work out. And instead of sometimes allowing God to grow me, I sit in this promised stall place. Now, I'm not saying that God's going to strike any dead like he did with Isaiah, but if you're like me, you'll definitely, at least once in your life, get in God's way because you think you know better than him or you think you can get it done quicker. So this anger that caused this promise to stall, if only David had trusted, if only we would trust, then the majority of the promises that we're sitting with just now would already be fulfilled. 
It's us that cause them to stall. God never stalls a promise. It's us getting in the way. It's our attitudes getting in the way. It's us trying to fix it quicker. It's us throwing a tantrum, throwing our toys out of the pram and going, right, God, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't want that promise anymore. Give it to somebody else. But you see, see when we correct our attitude, or even better, don't get to a place where you allow the promise to stall. Your promise will be fulfilled. And we see that in verses 12 to 19. We finally see David's promise fulfilled. Because as David then looks and he realises that God is blessing the household of Obed-Edom. God blessed them because that's where they left the ark. The ark wasn't supposed to be left there. But God's promise was wherever the ark was, it would be blessing. So God didn't stop that promise he had made. That still happened. It was in the wrong place. David, go and get it. Move it to where it's supposed to be. So the promises of God are not often something that will just bless us. As we see here, it blesses those around us. And that's when David realises that he actually needs to go and bring the back, the ark back to Jerusalem to fulfil this promise that God's gave him. And finally the day had arrived. After long months and struggles, the ark had finally arrived in Jerusalem. And David, in great excitement and thanks and praise to the Lord, leapt and danced. And the Bible tells us not only did he leap and dance, that he danced and an learning epod. So I looked that up to see what it actually looked like. And it was it actually it was just an undergarment. See, he didn't care that he looked ridiculous dancing through the streets and underwear. His main concern was to show his thanks and worship to God. But see, if we think about it, at this time, David is the king of Israel. He, he is the man. He's the government, he's the king, he's everything, and he is dancing through the streets and a pair of pants, in effect. That's all he's really wearing. Now, I'm sure even if we saw that now, we would say that that is not suitable behaviour for a king. But see, he didn't care. He didn't care that he looked ridiculous or he was undignified. This was his reckless thanksgiving without limits, something that he was offering up to his God out of an overflow of love and gratefulness for the goodness of God. Nothing would stop him, not the people who thought he looked silly, or even his own self-consciousness. This was reckless thanksgiving. Back to my dictionary definition. He was heedless of the consequences of his actions. Now this next bit is as much for me as for you. When was the last time that you gave reckless thanks, not caring what others thought of you? See, because there's a choice to be made when there is a promise fulfilled. Are you going to give the simple thanksgiving that you give every day for the trees, for the light, for the weather? Or are you going to give thanksgiving that's heedless of the consequences? So... I need to make that choice. So when it's my promise that comes and is fulfilled, I'm going to give reckless thanksgiving like David. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to dance around the church from underwear. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> exactly. You just think, well, as any of us would we really want to see it. But reckless thanksgiving will look different for each of us because actually it's a personality thing. Some of us are more confident and have bigger personalities, and that means that your reckless thanksgiving is probably going to be bigger too. But for people that are shy and quiet, you can still give reckless thanksgiving. Because 
no matter what it looks like, it should be something that's overflowing. It's something that people should be able to see and hear. And then, just like when David did it, other people joined in. Because when we give reckless thanksgiving, then it encourages the church to join in with us. And it also gives you a boost that your promise is coming next, that your promise will be fulfilled. But that's almost like a wee extra blessing for the church. But you see, the ark wasn't just for the church. The ark was for everybody. So when we give reckless thanksgiving, the reckless thanksgiving might begin in here, but it should go out there with us too. It should continue into our daily lives. It shouldn't be something that happens in here on a Sunday for everyone in the church to go, oh, that's amazing. Kerry's promise was fulfilled. The people that I meet, the people that I work beside, should be able to see that something's happened in my life. My reckless thanksgiving should overflow into every part of me. We should want everyone that we know to know that God has made that promise come to pass. And the more we give this reckless thanksgiving, the better we will get at it, and the better we will be at sharing. And then people will see every single day of our lives how amazing God is. There's people in here who had promises fulfilled that were actually miracles. And if we all go on board with that reckless thanksgiving and just a tiny bit of how amazing that is, how many people, we wouldn't be able to fill the churches. The churches would be, we would need to open the doors and we would need to put a video camera outside and it would need to be first come gets in the building, the rest you need to keep your coats on. And that wouldn't just be here. This would be every church in press. It could be every church in Scotland. We need to get that we... It's a fire that needs to come from us. It's so overflowing that everyone sees it. You see, but then God spoke to me and really challenged me with this as well. Because I could have stopped there. I could have stopped where God's fulfilled the promise. But I don't feel that I could finish without discussing the rest of the passage. Because you see, in verses 20 to 22, we see Michael and her reaction to David's reckless thanksgiving. You see, there's a choice to be made when it isn't our promise fulfilled. We can choose to join in with that reckless thanksgiving. We can choose to take it and carry it. And we can let that overflow from every part so that we can't stop talking about what has happened to someone else. But your other choice is to be like Michael. And be so jealous of what God did for David that she tries to mock him and bring him down to make herself feel better. Do you know, it's easy to stand here and say that you wouldn't behave like that. But can you honestly put your hand in your heart and say there's been, not been a time when you've been waiting, when you've been sitting either at the promise given part or your attitude's so bad that you're sitting in promise stalled that you've seen someone with a similar promise and there's been fulfilled and you do get jealous, and you might not mock them, but that's when you go back and start questioning God. Instead of joining in with their reckless thanksgiving, you go back, and you sit, and you get twisted, and you start to get bitter, and you start to pick, why did they get it? I saw what they did last week. I know they're not living right. I know they did this. I know they did that. And you know, that's you're going to sit in that promise stalled for a long, long time. Change your attitude. Get involved in your reckless thanksgiving. And then you can have your promise without. We've all got promises that God has given. 
And that attitude is almost always the thing that causes it to be stalled. And that always happens where you can't celebrate with something else. So you need to hold on to your promises that you've been given. And you need to guard your heart from that attitude that might cause your promise to stall. And give a reckless thanksgiving when the promise has been fulfilled. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I'm going to ask someone to go and get the kids, because Scott's going to lead us in our last song. So when I was preparing this message, it brought me back to a song that we sang all the time in Sunday school with the kids. And I actually thought that it was a kid's song until I went to look at it. And I couldn't believe. I'm sure all the Sunday school leaders out there know the song I'm talking about. I'm talking about the song Undignified. And I honestly thought it was written for children. And then when I went and I was talking to Billy and I'm going, oh, who wrote that? Who wrote that? And he says to me, Matt Rain. And I went, no way. He's a real worship leader. He didn't write a song for kids' ministry. And I'm not saying that real worship leaders don't do kids' ministry, because they do. But sometimes it's a different thing because you're aiming at children and you're trying to get children involved. So we're going to bring them back out because they will enjoy this. But you see, this morning as we finish and the band leaders... I want you to think about this undignified, reckless thanksgiving to God. Get involved in it this morning. Don't sit there placid. If you're sitting in a promised stall place this morning, this is your chance to change your attitude. Get your attitude right with God. And let's have testimony of promise fulfilled. And as people come with those testimonies of promise fulfilled, I encourage us all, including myself, to give this reckless thanksgiving Lord I just thank you Lord I praise your name and I thank you Lord that every single one of us has got more than one promise sitting Lord and Lord some of us are sitting in the place where we're happy with the promise given Lord and we're growing in you Lord but Lord there's also some of us sitting in the place where our promises have stalled Lord so Lord if that is anyone in here this morning Lord I pray that this morning they make a choice because it needs to be a choice to change their attitude, Lord, to get out of that place of where the promise is stalled, back to thinking about the promise given and how you're going to grow them until they're ready for the promise to be fulfilled, Lord. And Lord, I pro- thank you, Lord, for the promises that are already fulfilled, Lord, but I thank you for the promises that are going to start getting fulfilled from today onwards, Lord, that you will fulfill them, Lord, and as a church, we will give reckless thanksgiving that we'll take out to the world with us, Lord, that people will see how different we are because of you, because of what you've done, and how amazing that you are and the miracles that you perform every day in our lives, Lord, in your amazing name. Amen.